How many of you found that piece of music beautiful? Can you prove that it was beautiful? <clears throat> Beauty cannot be proven. It's not a scientific concept. Can goodness be proven? Can love be proven? We could go and make a long list of what you can't prove, and it would turn out to be everything that's really important in life. <laughs> and yet the current scientific ideology would say, if you can't prove it, it's not real. That's why most psychologists don't even believe in dreams. Can you prove you had a dream last night? How do we know you're not just making it up now to impress the psychologist? Can't prove it. So therefore throw it out. It's a psychology that is one-dimensional, <clears throat> a science, an ideology that's one-dimensional and that cuts out all of the higher dimensions of life. And we have all been indoctrinated into it. So to some extent or another, there is a resistance. And there's a particular resistance, even an allergy, to the concept of God among most people today. Because that concept has been ridiculed by the Dawkinses and the other atheistic, materialistic, scientistic, one-dimensional men who do not have an attunement to what that signifier represents and all they see is the mythology and it's very easy to attack the straw man of the mythological god but what is not understood is that the mythology is a vocabulary of signifiers that represent psychological realities not external physical realities and therefore, although God cannot be proven, God cannot either be disproved. Our only possible relationship to God, once we rule out belief as not being worthwhile, because it's pointless to believe in God or to disbelieve in God, the only thing that makes sense is to realize God. But to realize God, we have to know what we mean by this term that is the ultimate ineffable concept. And God has always in every spiritual tradition, at the deepest level at least, and we need to stop thinking of in terms of exoteric and esoteric. That's not a good enough matrix. I would propose that we have exoteric, mesoteric, and endoteric. Because what has gone for esoteric is still within the symbolic realm. You can't realize God within some symbolic uh, attempt uh, to prove God by any kind of argument or discourse, whether it's scientific or otherwise, metaphysical, whatever. You have to go to the endoteric level, which is knowledge that is being. So the realization of God begins with the understanding that what we mean by that term is the ultimate super-sensory apperception that you are capable of. 
it's not simply extrasensory perception. That psychics do. They can see subtle energies and be aware of things that are happening in the external plane. It's not simply extrasensory perception. It's supersensory. It's beyond the sensual realm, including the subtle level of sensuality. And it is not a perception, but an apperception, which means that what is being perceived is the one doing the perceiving. There is no duality in God. And therefore, you can never know God as long as you want to be a perceiver of God. Because God does not exist as an object. The atheists are right. But they're also very wrong because they don't understand that in the same way that you have to cultivate a taste for music like this. And many people in the world would not have said this is beautiful. If we played some death rock, they would have said, yeah, that's great, right? Or that's wicked, or whatever term is now the equivalent of I like it. But you need to cultivate a taste for beauty, for goodness, and particularly for the supreme beauty and the supreme goodness that we're talking about when we signify the word God. Or any ultimate reality term that is an equivalent, whether Buddha nature, Nirvana, etc., etc. So what we are dealing with is an apperception, which means the awareness of, of the source of awareness itself. That's what we're doing when we meditate. And that's why the question of who am I is always asked, because who am I the perceiver of reality? Instead of facing outward, we turn our perceptive mechanism, but not the five senses, the superior third eye sense that alone can see the seer, and turn that back. And we bind our attention to the source of attention itself. That's what we're doing in meditation. And this is the meaning of the the mitzvah in the Torah, which has carried on into Christianity, of love thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy strength. It means bind yourself to the source of your own awareness. Don't leave it. Don't enter the monkey mind. Stop chattering. Stop dispersing your energies into a million different fragments. Stop thinking about the past and rumbling about what was wrong with some event that happened recently. Stop rehearsing the future. (laughs) Be here now. And only in the present can this apperception be accomplished. And thus, we must attain a state of inner silence stillness. This is the sine qua non of spiritual development. The development of the mental muscle, the muscle of attention to remain immovable, still, non-reactive to what's going on, unaffected by anything that's happening while you meditate whether it's outside sounds or your body having an itch or whatever else it might be, there is an immovable refusal to react but to stay in the ultimate activity of silence. It seems inactive, but it's the ultimate activity, the highest activity. 
It's like a spinning top. It doesn't seem like it's moving, but it's moving very fast, isn't it? And if you want to stay balanced with your attention centered and not falling over, you have to be going very fast. And that's really what stillness is. It's going at the speed of light. That's what stops time and space and all illusion. And that requires continual focus. And because we haven't developed the muscles of our psyche strong enough, we let go and we fall over and we start thinking easy thoughts in the imaginary (coughs) rather than remaining in the real of God consciousness. And thus we lose our connection to the source of our own life energy, our own creativity, our own empowerment, our own capacity for love and for receiving love. And we get cut off and re-identified with the physical organism and then we are in the whole ego complex that's based on fear and desire and lack and then discourses and narratives emerge and the weeds fill up the garden of the mind and the flowers die. So... We are replanting the garden, removing the weeds when we remain in silence and stillness. And that creates a fertile ground for the seed of God consciousness to grow. But then it must be watered, it must be cultivated by constant remembrance. This is why in the Christian tradition it's recommended to say the Jesus prayer constantly, not just once in a while at official prayers, constantly. Every tradition says that, constant remembrance. That's why the Muslims pray five times a day, but they they say pray all the time. Remember Allah in every breath. But it's not remembering with language, it's remembering by remaining silent and still, even while the body is acting. That's what karma yoga means. The body is full-on engaged in some work, And sometimes even the mind has to be engaged in it, but the awareness remains silent and detached. And then you can do the work without getting in your own way, without having emotional reactions to it, without losing your concentration and forgetting important things. You will be totally focused. And you'll accomplish things with ten times the efficiency you would have if you were in just ego consciousness. So there are great practical benefits in addition to the metaphysical benefits, which is of ultimately more practical use, which is of achieving liberation from suffering. And even the healing of physical illnesses will happen when that love energy of God flows in and dissolves the hate energy of superego fragments and angry inner child fragments and all of the detritus of childhood traumas that remain in the unconscious mind, repressed but still actively affecting our lives and creating disease in our bodies and in our souls. And so this is the ultimate healing and the only healing, really, that we have available, which is why this concept of God has stayed with humanity for all of these thousands and thousands of years. There really is no alternative. 
you can replace the concept of God with an impersonal concept like Brahman, which is fine, or Buddha nature or Nirvana. It doesn't matter. The Tao. Any of these terms, they are not atheistic. They are simply a different way of signifying the ultimate real of your own supersensual apperception. But the same process and practice is present in all of these paths. And that's what is important. Not the theories, not the dogmas and creeds, but the practice of inner silence that you'll find in Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, Taoism, across the board. And it all comes down to yoga, practice of meditation, which preceded any of these religions which are simply ways of formalizing that practice and teaching them to children and to people who are not yet ready for the full naked truth of the realization that you're not the body and you're not the mind and you yourself are an extra-dimensional consciousness that's too much for most people to handle. And so it's better to create a Sunday school myth about God that people can love and stay loyal to and pray to, and in that way stay connected to a God figure. But then it's very easy for atheists to attack that and ridicule it. But if we understand that it signifies a much deeper reality, then we won't get fooled by those kinds of arguments. And we won't get led away from the core of our being, which is our base of power, and of intelligence, and of meaning, and of capacity to live in the world without suffering. So when we meditate tonight, I hope that you will use all of your mental muscles to remain in that space of silence, but with reverence, with love. Don't just make it an act of, I'm going to do it if it kills me. (laughs) but an act of I surrender to this source of love and life energy and power and beauty and joy and then you will feel it flowing through you. The emanation of that power is real. It's not somebody's myth. This is what is real in all religion no matter how you categorize it and contextualize it. And without this, life would be meaningless. So let's go into the real and discover for ourselves, not because you believe what I'm telling you, but that it's worthwhile to make the effort to discover the truth of it by sitting in it long enough to dissolve the reactivity and the egoic cynicism and all of the other buffers and filters that keep you in a false consciousness until this becomes all there is. And what you thought of as an external world will be recognized as simply an emanation of consciousness itself. And then there will be no duality any longer and no struggle. And the recognition of the beauty of everything in the world, that it's all music, it's all joy, it's all beauty and infinitely perfect from that highest place of apperception will be revealed to you. Let's bet